This episode of Saturday Morning Rewind is brought to you by Voice Chasers. Find out more about the voice actor you hear on this episode at VoiceChasers.com. Voice Chasers, celebrating the art of voice acting since 1996. Welcome to Saturday Morning Rewind. A show dedicated to the love of animation and feeling like a kid again. So let's go back in time to when cats defended Third Earth. Sword of Omens, give me sight beyond sight. A masked duck protected the streets of St. Canard. I am the terror that flaps in the night. And knowing was half the battle. Yo, Joe! Let's go back with Saturday Morning Rewind and your host, Tim Nidell. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to a brand new episode of Saturday Morning Rewind. Of course, my name is Tim Nadell, and if you feel up to it, please follow me on Twitter and Instagram. It's at Saturday Rewind, and my second account is at Tim the Tune Man. And also, while you're online, I would truly, really appreciate some positive iTunes reviews. Those really do help us out. And for today's episode, I am very excited to get this one out there because I have one of the stars of one of my all-time favorite movies. That movie is Who Framed Roger Rabbit, and I have the very talented Lou Hirsch on the episode today. And of course, he was the voice of B.B. Herman. You Valiant, I want to talk to you about the Acme murder. Look, Valiant, the rabbit didn't kill Acme. He's not a murderer. I should know. He's a dear friend of mine. I tell you, Valiant, the whole thing stinks like yesterday's diapers. That movie really does hold a very, very dear spot in my heart. It's one of my early memories of going to the theater with my family. And it might just be when I fell in love with Redheads. I, I really don't know if this one or Little Mermaid. It's, it's one of the two I fell in love with Redheads. But, I, I mean, you can understand why, right? And, of course, this episode is brought to you by our wonderful patreon supporters thank you guys so very much for your continued support i want to thank mike clemens gimma bright tori garvin and q fortier you guys are awesome and uh if you're listening right now and want to help us out you know we are an independent podcast and so we don't have ads we don't have that kind of stuff coming in so we're basically run solely on donations so if you want to help us out it starts at only two bucks a month so go check out our donation tab on our website, SaturdayMorningRewind.com, and you'll find out all the information right there. But like I said, Who Framed Roger Rabbit still holds up today. It's still a classic movie, and I'm excited to get this interview out there. So here is my interview with Baby Herman himself, Lou Hirsch. First, thank you so very much for this. Big fan of your work as Baby Herman. I got to say that movie is still in probably my top five of all time movies. Well, I, I'm I'm very flattered that first that you have such a long memory because it's so <laughs> long ago now, uh, I know. Uh, and I, I'm I'm flattered that uh, people uh, uh, still reach out to me. I mean, I, I, after all these years, I I still get fan mail. I, I still get requests for for you know signed photos and stuff. It just it just amazes me. I I, um, I never thought when I did the job that 
30 years on, yeah. I'd still be talking about it. Yeah, that's insane, isn't it? Have you ever thought about doing conventions to, to sign autographs and everything? Uh, you know, well, nobody's actually ever asked me to go and do a convention. I mean, I, I just don't know how much um, interest my being there would generate, really. Hmm. I mean, uh, um, uh, I, I honestly don't know. I mean, I have a couple of friends that do them. Um, uh, not uh, um, One of my uh, friends from a long, long time ago, uh, who I went to drama school with in, uh, in the U.K., uh, was is a young lady by the name of Marina Sirtis who played uh, Deanna Troy in uh, Star Trek Next Generation. Of course, of course, yeah. And um, I believe she does, you know, sort of Star Trek conventions mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And uh, um, so going back to your question, no, no nobody's ever asked me. <laughs> well, you know, something's got to change about that. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, if somebody sends me an email and says, "Are you interested in doing this?" And I mean, if it's you know. Uh, 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 I, I certainly, I guess I would consider it, but uh-huh. I, I don't even know what it entails. I don't know, you know, so. <laughs> well, I, I would hope to meet up and get a signed autograph from you at some point, because that would be amazing. It would, it would be a pleasure. So our show is all about going back and reliving your childhood. That's why I'm talking to you. You were a big part of my childhood because... I think Roger Rabbit is one of my earlier memories of going to the theater and watching a movie. I was eight years old when it came out, and I was just drawn to that screen. I found out years later that my mom and dad wanted to uh, pull us out of the theater, but they were afraid that we were going to, you know, get too upset that we were being taken out. I guess maybe some Jessica Rabbit stuff. I don't know what the deal was. Yeah. But but, uh, tell me a little bit about your childhood. What kind of stuff did you do as a kid? You say that I mean, like you say that uh, uh, your first experience of, of uh, Roger Rabbit was was in a movie theater. Mm-hmm. I, I my very first my memory of going to a movie theater and seeing a, um, a, a movie that made a massive impression on me was uh, going to see The Wizard of Oz. Of course, a great one. Yeah. I mean, obviously, I'm I'm, I'm not. I'm not that old, <laughs> but but, but uh, I remember being, I think, uh, probably maybe five or six years old, going to the movie theater, and it was when they still showed that movie in the movie theaters, mm-hmm. and me being uh, absolutely fascinated with it all, and, and uh, um, I remember, I, I, I have a, such a, a abiding memory of the scene when they're all in the wizard's chamber, and uh, uh, he tells them he wants them to bring back the the broom of the wicked witch. Mm-hmm. And and, um, he, and the lion says to him, he says, "But what if she kills us first? And then he says, "I said go." And the lion runs down all and he dives out the window. At five or six years old, I remember just convulsing with laughter. It's one of my abiding memories, as you say that you know when you saw. Roger Rabbit in, in the cinema. Mm-hmm. It's the same kind of thing. Can you believe that Wizard of Oz is 80 years old? No, I can't. <laughs> I mean, and that movie, that movie, it it is impeccable. How The quality of that film, it surpasses many films made in the 70s. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I, I have a vivid memory of when it goes from black and white into color. Mm-hmm. You know, when she opens the door, and I mean, and the, the special effects that they were using at that time were 
groundbreaking, really. I mean, there's CG movies nowadays that look worse than that. Oh, for sure, for sure. <laughs> you know, and and uh, I've read all sorts of wonderful stories about the you know the shenanigans that went on when they were making them. Mm-hmm. Yep. And Margaret Hamilton, who played uh, uh, the Wicked Witch, nearly dying. I remember um, that. Yeah. When she went up in the in the pub of smoke, she actually caught fire and was burned severely, wow. uh, and was they had to stop filming for months while she recovered. So, I mean, I mean, obviously, you know, things weren't perfect in no. 1939. <laughs> you know, it's, uh, it, 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 it's just a wonderful memory for me when I was a child. So Yeah, I love that. Now, now, tell me, how did you get involved with Who Framed Roger Rabbit? I was originally seen to play one of the humans in the film. Oh, really? I'd gone out to uh, L Street. I, I was living in, in, in the UK at the time because the, the entire film was, was shot in the UK. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I've, I spent most, I, I mean, I'm now living in the United States, but uh, I spent most of my adult life and working life living and working in the UK. I had just been out in Los Angeles knocking around looking for work and nothing was going on. And uh, uh, I had done a... Um, I had done a television commercial in England for uh, for Eastern Airlines. It was a, the president of Eastern Airlines, at its when it eventually went under, was uh, um, Frank Borman, who was one of the uh, um, uh, original astronauts. But they had started this London Miami route. They were doing commercials for them, and I was very very lucky to uh, I got cast doing a, a commercial for Eastern Airlines advertising their London Miami route. And I had done one commercial, and um, I was out in L.A. sitting around spinning my wheels and nothing was going on. And my agent in London called me and said, um, look, they want to do a second commercial with the character that you did for, East, uh, for your Eastern Airlines commercial. And uh, she says, I, I told them that you're in Los Angeles. Uh, and they said, well, we'll fly him back to do the commercial. We're an airline. <laughs> we can do that. You yeah. know, so. They, she said, do you want to come back and do the commercial? And and I'd been knocking around in L.A. for, I guess, for about three or four months and nothing was going on. And I, I said to my agent, I said, well, yeah, I said, I'll do the commercial and you can tell them to make it a one-way ticket. <laughs> uh, they don't have to fly me back to L.A. And uh, I'll come back and do the commercial and because I still, had, uh, uh, I still had an apartment in London. I didn't give that up. And about two weeks after I did that commercial – my agent then called me and said, um, you've got an audition for this film that they're doing called Who Framed Roger Rabbit? Uh, go along on such and such a day is, uh, uh, um, to meet Robert Zemeckis, who I, you know, I was in awe of, you know, because he'd done, you know, like all the Back to the Future course, stuff yeah. and, 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 all, and all that. And I said, wow, you know, so, so I'd gone along to meet him and um, uh, I was auditioning to play one of the humans in the film. We we had a good meeting and and uh, and I left and went home and uh, this was this you have to remember that this was in mid eighties so this was before the days of cell phones <laughs> uh, and um, and I got back to my uh, apartment in in London and and um, I could hear my phone ringing I lived like on the top floor of a three story building and I could hear my phone ringing. Uh, in in my apartment, it was ringing, ringing off the wall, and I ran up the stairs and 
grab grab the phone. It was my. She says, "Oh, I've been trying to ring you for ages." She says, "I've just been on the phone with the um, uh, um, casting director uh, um, for this Roger Rabbit thing that you went for." And uh, Robert Zemeckis doesn't think that you're right for any of the humans in the film, but he he loves your voice. Interesting. Do you do you, do you want to voice the baby? And <laughs> I said. Sure. <laughs> I've never done anything like that yeah. before. You know? So I, 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 I said yes. And, uh, and um, I mean, I didn't have to go for costume fittings or anything like that. Yeah. I just had to wait until they started shooting. <laughs> you know, you know, they'd send me bits of script. And uh, it, it, every time they sent me a bit of script, it, it was like it was like signing the official Secrets Act. You, you you know you had to sign for everything and everything was under cloak and dagger and you know this is like uh, uh, very secretive you were, and I wasn't allowed to tell anybody that I was doing this film it, it, it was a bit surreal I mean I, I, um, I've said this in other uh, uh, interviews as well in my, my very very first day on the set I walked on and and was introduced to a couple of people and uh, and then uh, introduced to uh, uh, to Charlie Fleischer, mm-hmm. who uh, um, did Roger's voice, and um, he was wearing Roger's costume. Yep, <laughs> and, which, I, which took me aback a bit, you know. And <laughs> and the first thing that popped into my head was, "Geez, I, I hope they're not going to ask me to wear a diaper, <laughs> because if they do, I'm I'm out of here." <laughs> Yeah, you know, but obviously that wasn't. I mean, he obviously was doing it because he he felt he needed to be wearing Roger's clothes to get him into character. Yeah, and stuff it's like it's, that. Like, a, it's was, like a method actor for a voice actor, which I've never heard yeah, of before. Yeah, I mean that was fine. You know, Charlie wanted to do that, was, but then, you know, there's no way that I was going to be doing that from for for for, <laughs> for myself. But uh, um, that was kind of my introduction on the set was you know seeing. You know, Charlie dressed as Roger. Mm-hmm. Thinking, wow, this is going to be a weird job. You know? <laughs> <laughs> um, but it, it, it turned out to be great fun. So. And what I love about this film is that unlike any other film like it, you guys who are just voices, you could easily just gone behind the microphone in post-production and done your, you know, your scenes and everything. But you were actually there on the set with the actors. And so they can play off of your voices. Yeah, yeah. I mean, everything was we shot our everything was live. I mean, uh, um, we we were on set, uh, um, you know, obviously on the other side of the camera, and and uh, um, uh, uh, oh, sorry, that was my phone going off. <laughs> uh, I when when I get a, a text message, I actually have Bugs Bunny uh, give great. me a message that I have a, a text <laughs> message. I'll, I'll look at that later. But sorry, I got I got uh, off track there, but. Uh, um, we we you know we were told that we were going to come and do our voices live with everybody and and uh, that's the way they were going to shoot it. It was it was a wonderful way to do it, but it was really really tiring because we did everything fifty times. Because mm-hmm. uh, uh, um, Robert Zemeckis was was a, a perfectionist. He had it in his mind's eye as to how he wanted to see it, even though we couldn't see it. You know, but what what, what they did was is that they made up. Uh, little dolls, actual physical dolls, of of the cartoon characters, and would put them into the scenes, and we would rehearse with the dolls in, uh, so that the actors working with the with the cartoon characters could get it in their mind's eye as to, you know, uh, how big, you know, where where their eye line should be and everything okay. like that. They always they call those scenes reference scenes, 
and so we would we would shoot with the doll in, or we we would actually film it with the doll in, uh, and and also rehearse with it, and then they would take the dolls out, and then we would shoot the scene, and you know like Bob Hoskins would be literally acting to thin air, yep, and then uh, they would the following morning they would go and look at the rushes and and they would put the the reference scenes with the dolls uh next to the scene to to the uh uh the uh the, the formal scenes without the dolls in and match them up to see if the eye lines looked right mm. wow and if they didn't look right we would go back and do it again mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, which we had to do quite a few times because you know uh, i mean but i read something somewhere that by the end bob hoskins was uh, uh, hallucinating i remember reading that too yep because he he, he just you know he, he he didn't know what was real and what wasn't mm-hmm. you know so, uh, um my very very first day on the set i only found this is something uh, i don't think i've ever mentioned this to anybody in an interview before so you get an exclusive there you go this. well thank you uh, uh, um the my very very first day on the set we started to rehearse. The, the, the first scene that we shot was the scene with the uh, baby Herman in his baby carriage, mm-hmm. with the uh, you know with the tall leg, leggy blonde and and, uh, um, and and Bob Hoskins. And um, so we started to rehearse the scene, and um, I started to do my lines, and and all of a sudden this this man came running out of nowhere, running up to me, and and said, and went just went now I know how to draw him. And he walked away. <laughs> and I remember saying to the uh, um, to the sound engineer, I said, "Who is that?" And they said, "That's Richard Williams. He's the huh. chief animator. Uh-huh. He, you know, he he created these characters." And I went, "Oh, I hadn't met him." And what I found out, and I only found this out a couple of years ago, that he he loved Baby Herman, and and uh, um, he drew every single frame of Baby Herman himself. Hmm. He didn't. He never let any of the other animators touch the baby. So every every single frame in the film was hand drawn by him. Wow! I only found this out a couple of years ago. You know, I was quite flattered because he wasn't sure how he should draw him until he eventually heard me. Oh, that's great! So you really truly inspired what we see on the screen. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, you know, because what was funny was is that I mean, I wasn't given any kind of uh, um, direction as to how the baby should sound. I, mean, I remember when I first read the script, the description of the baby in the script was, he looks like a baby, but he's 50 years old and he <laughs> smokes a cigar and he sounds like Wallace Beery. I don't know if you know who Wallace Beery is. I don't. I don't he, think I do. He was an old-time actor in the 30s who had a really, really gruff voice. Okay. And I thought, oh, okay. You know, and... Uh, um, so I, I, I kind of developed this voice, but uh, um, but the voice that I used in in the film was a combination of that, and it was a, a combination of um, my friends imitating me. Um, because I lived <laughs> in the UK, ninety nine percent of my friends were were British. Mm-hmm. I didn't know this. This is something else that I didn't know for years. But they used to imitate me all the time. Uh, and, um, because I had such a, a loud, gruff voice, mm-hmm. but they, 
if if they were sort of saying something to somebody about me, they wouldn't say, oh, Lou said so-and-so. They would go, my, one of my friends, my good friend James Saxon, who unfortunately died a few years ago, mm-hmm. uh, he wouldn't say, oh, Lou said so-and-so. He would go, Lou said, blah, 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 you know, and he was just, you know, and, <laughs> and so I was kind of imitating them, imitating me. That's great. The combination of that and the description of what the baby was supposed to sound like in that was written in the script. That's how the kind of, that's the, how the character developed. And, and the only, the only direction Robert Zemeckis ever gave me in all the time that I was on the film was he always used to say to me, talk faster. He said, cartoons talk faster than humans. He says, just speed up your dialogue. Huh. A bit. You know, and that's the only thing he ever said to me. It was his, wow. uh, um, um, and practically everything that we did, on set stayed in the film. I think I, I only had to, I had, I had to post sync one line uh, uh, in the film because there was some background noise that they couldn't get okay. rid of. And um, I arrived at the studio. It was one of the biggest disappointments in my life because when I got there, the, the sound engineer who I had known as I had worked with him on some other stuff. When I got there, he said, he says, oh, he says, I wish you'd come five minutes earlier. He says, you just missed Mel Blanc. Oh, God. And I was crushed. Cause, <sighs> I mean, you know, I, I, I knew he was doing stuff on the film. And, mm-hmm. uh, uh, but he, was, he, was, he wasn't around. I think, he, I think he did most of his stuff post-sync. I don't think I he think was so. ever. I'm sure so. if he was ever actually on the set. Oh, God, that would have um, been amazing to meet him. And plus, I think it's his last performance, I believe. Yes. Yes, it was. I mean, uh, um, I always remember. I don't know if you ever saw the uh, um, the obituary that uh, um, uh, Warner Brothers put in the newspapers for him. Have you ever seen that? I don't think I have. It's 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 wonderful. It's uh, um, it it chokes me up when I think about it. Actually, it's all the Warner Brothers characters standing in a line with their heads bowed. Yeah, I have seen that. There's a a microphone with a spotlight on it, Mm -hmm. and and underneath it just says speechless. Yep, I remember seeing that. Wonderful, and it, it was weird actually because he actually died the 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 same day as Laurence Olivier. Wow! And um, you know there was all this stuff in the papers about Laurence Olivier, blah 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 blah, and not that much about Mel Blanc. And I just mm-hmm. thought, you know, that's not right. I said mm-hmm. because there's probably more people in the world know who Bugs Bunny was. Oh yeah, for sure. People <laughs> have, people have heard <laughs> him know? way more times than most other actors out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and uh, uh, and and what a what a vocal genius he was. And I, I was just I, I felt so bad that I didn't get didn't get the chance to meet him. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, um, just and just missed him. You know, but that's that's life, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, not just him. I mean, there was like June Foray, Pat Buttram, uh, yeah. May Quistel, who was, uh, of course, Betty Boop. So many amazing voices on that movie. Yeah, I mean, and uh, they, you know, it was also the first time that Warner Brothers characters and, and Disney characters ever appeared on film together. Uh-huh, yep. Uh, um, which was a major coup, you know, for for, for the, uh, uh, the producers and stuff. Not, you know, not to mention all the, you know, the new characters that were created for the film, but all the Warner Brothers characters and all the, all the Disney characters, everybody was in this film, yep. you know, which I think is why it became such a classic yep i, I yeah. heard recently maybe a couple of years ago i heard warner brothers like the number one thing they wanted from this movie in order to put their characters into this movie was that their main characters had equal screen time as disney characters 
And that's mm. why you see like uh, Mickey and Bugs skydiving together. You yeah. know, equal screen time. Yeah, yeah. But then, and then they were quite happy to give it to them. I think. I mean, this is you know, then it was uh, it was just great to see all those characters together. I mean, uh, um, um, it, it was a major coup for all the people involved. You know, Spielberg mm-hmm. and, and uh, I think uh, uh, um, oh, I can't remember the guy. Well, there was one producer. Uh, I can't remember his name. It was a lovely man, and I can't remember his name now. But he was responsible for getting all this together and stuff. Uh-huh. Uh, and it was just great to be a part of that. I, I was I was fortunate to to be on the on the shoot on the very very last day of of filming because we actually shot the the opening scene last. Okay. Uh, you know where where the refrigerator falls mm-hmm. on Roger and he sees birds instead of stars and and, and <laughs> baby Herman goes off in a huff and everything like that. We actually that was the last scene that was shot in the film. Then we had a big rap party on the set. I'd never seen so much champagne in my life. <laughs> and uh, um, I actually got quite inebriated uh, uh, um, on, on, on the day. And um, uh, it was in the days where I used to have a driver. He used to pick me up, bring me to the set, and drive me home. Uh, at the end of the day, the driver was waiting for me. And I, I mean, I was sozzled. We were driving back into London. And I said, uh, oh, I, I want to go to my local pub and see my friends, you know. So the driver said, sure. And he, he drove me to the pub. And I, I says, I won't be long. You know, I just walked in. I walked into the pub and I had this silly grin on my face. And it was, it was as I told you earlier, I had, you know, I, we weren't allowed to tell anybody about uh-huh. the film. Uh-huh. And I, but I walked into the pub and I had this silly grin on my face. And one of my friends said to me, where have you been? And I went, making history. <laughs> <laughs> And, and that's all. I, I couldn't say anything else. Uh, but it was uh, it, it was a wonderful experience. And uh, when we went, they, when the film was eventually cut together, they had a, a, a cast and crew screening uh, uh, in London. They had to have it over two days because the crew was so big on the film; they couldn't fit the whole crew in the wow. in the theater uh, uh, in one in one sitting. I remember seeing a couple of the other guys uh, that had done voices along with me at, at, at the screening. I, I saw this one guy and uh, I said, oh, you, he was playing uh, one of a, a fairly large part in it, one of the cartoon characters. And I said, I said, oh, you must be really excited. And he, and he said, I'm not in the film anymore. Huh. And I, I said, well, what do you mean? He says, uh, they revoiced me. And I got scared. Cause oh, I, God, yeah. You know, because I I brought my girlfriend and her two children to, to the screening, and I thought, oh gosh, I'm going to be really embarrassed here, you know. <laughs> uh, thankfully, I mean, uh, I, they they hadn't re, I, they hadn't revoiced me because uh, I mean, I, I guess they would have told me that prior to it, you know. But what I found out was that I, I'm the I think I'm the only person, the only actor who did a voice in London, uh, that. Uh, of of sort of the the, the smaller characters, it didn't mm-hmm. get revoiced oh, wow. when it went into post production because huh. all of a sudden you know obviously the word got out when it got back to L.A. you know and all of a sudden all these actors were going I want to do a voice I want to mm-hmm. do a voice mm-hmm. you know uh, and a lot of people everybody apart from me um, got revoiced hmm. uh, 
um, so I was I was very lucky. I, I, I was, you know, I guess I was lucky. Richard Williams liked me so much. <laughs> <laughs> I even hear that in the beginning stages, Paul Rubens was attached to the voice Roger before Charles came. That I didn't know. Mm-hmm. That I didn't know. I mean. Um, that would have been interesting. That would have been actually if you, if you if you go to YouTube, there's some test footage of of what he recorded. It's on YouTube. Oh really? Mm-hmm. Oh well, I'll take a look at that this afternoon. That that's interesting. I'd never known that. That that's a that's a new one on me, Tim. Oh, there you go. I heard it was like many years before um, production came across with with your version of Roger Rabbit. It's going to be a much different story. So they went with a different voice actor for that. Right. Right. I think you know what Charlie did was was oh, was yeah. great. Oh, you know? it's amazing! I, I couldn't see anybody else doing that. No, no, no. And and he did a couple of I, he did Benny the Cab as well. Now I heard that you were supposed to be Benny at first, right? Is that what I read correctly? No, no. I don't think they ever okay. asked me to be. I don't. I don't recall that. I, I I remember. I remember after we did um, after we did Roger Rabbit, they had me test for voices for Lion King. Oh, um, but they 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 decided that you know my voice was it was just too recognizable and yeah. they didn't <laughs> they didn't want to use it. And it's a shame, really, because because one of my friends that I actually went to college with did uh, uh, Pumbaa's voice. Uh, I went to college with Ernie Sabella. Oh, uh, so cool! Uh, uh, and uh, um, we you know we we were friends in college, and would have would have been nice to have worked work with him again and, and, and he's gone on to do some wonderful oh, stuff yeah, as yeah. well so uh, do you know um, who you tested for for lion king anybody in particular i can't i can't remember uh, um i think it might have been it might have been like for one of one of the orangutans i think or something i'm I, i'm not really sure it's that long ago mm-hmm. uh, because they they tested me they they were running the tests when um because we got we we did three uh, six-minute shorts that went out in front of feature films. Mm-hmm. Yep. It was while I, I had gone in to, to record one of those that they decided to test me for Lion King. But it, it's it's so long ago, I, I, oh, I yeah. can't remember. <laughs> but, uh, but I remember going in to, to do my recordings for, uh, um, for the three shorts. And... Um, they would never the, the Disney people would never they never wouldn't call me Lou. <laughs> they, they would they would only they would call me Baby. <laughs> <laughs> you know I'd be in I'd be in a studio in London, and they were in L.A. They, we were doing all the recordings via phone patch and stuff like that. They you know I get get in the studio and they go Good morning Baby. You know, oh, hello. <laughs> yeah. And and they go, oh, you know, baby, we, we don't like that line. We 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 want to change the line. So uh, um, go and have a cup of coffee, and uh, we'll we'll come back. And I said, okay, you know, I don't care. I'd sit around with the engineer and have you know copious cups of coffee while they rewrote a line. You know, and they come back and say, okay, baby, we're ready now. And then we'll fax you the line, and then, mm-hmm. and then that's how we did it. You know, so I never knew what any of the the little shorts were going to look like until they were actually uh, mm. produced. So those were all, you know, they weren't shot the way we shot the feature film. Yeah, so. much different, much different. Now, now back to the original, we were talking about being cut and everything. Some of your friends were cut from being voices. Was there anything cut 
from Baby Herman? Were there more scenes in the script that were supposed to be shot but weren't shot, or any deleted scenes you actually did record? Not, not that I recall. That uh, um, I always remember reading stuff that are that because I think in the original book that that Gary K. Wolf wrote mm-hmm. that that Baby Herman actually Baby Herman was the villain, but. They obviously decided that that's not the way they wanted it to go, and so. Uh, but I don't. Re- I don't recall um, being given any scenes and then being told that uh, uh, they weren't going to uh, uh, shoot those. Okay. Uh, and not not to my memory, man. But you know, it was thirty years ago, so. Uh, I, I know, you know what you mean. <laughs> you know, I I, I I I could. My memory might not be as good as I think it is. So. Yeah. <laughs> Well, if there's ever a sequel, which I hope there is, I mean, there's been rumors on it and everything. Hopefully, we get to see you come back as Baby Herman. Well, I, I would be, I would love to actually, but you know what the funny thing is, is that in a way, I'm kind of glad that it that they don't do a sequel. I can see where you're coming from exactly. I mean, it's a classic. You don't want to ruin it. Yeah, and 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 I think that uh, um, trying to do do it again, I mean especially after all this time and you know with with all the cgi stuff uh now because all that stuff didn't exist in 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 Mm -hmm. the mid 80s um i don't see how they could do it and do it with the quality that they did when they did the original and and i think leaving it as a as a Mm one-off just keeps it as a classic you know certainly i would love the work you know but i i kind of like it that 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 they never they never did get around. I mean, I'd heard rumors for years. Yep. You know, uh, there was there was even talk when we when we were doing the uh, the six minute shorts. There was there was talk of uh, Baby Herman having his own television series. Oh, wow. And um, all these emails and faxes going back and forth between my agents in London and and Disney in California and. I th- at the end of the day, I think they just decided that the uh, uh, the cost was just going to be too much to mm-hmm. do because because when Roger Rabbit was made, it was at that time I think the most expensive film ever shot. Yeah, it makes sense. Because and I think if my memory serves me, it cost like something like sixty million dollars or mm-hmm. something like that. But that was nineteen eighty six or eighty seven or whatever. You know, uh, uh, and now you know they're, they're spending hundreds of millions of dollars on films uh, uh, i can't imagine what it would cost if they were to try to do it again so <laughs> plus to get the rights to all the other studio uh characters i'm sure that'll yeah. be a pretty penny right there yeah I, I just think it would be too complicated uh, um and um and and when there was this talk of uh, you know maybe having his own series and stuff they just decided that it was just going to be too expensive and they just dropped it like a hot potato mm-hmm. which which i was very uh, upset about but there was nothing i could do so you know it was like uh, um I, I i had you know my moment of dreaming of you know wonderful things for for for, for a few minutes and then uh, it all went in the toilet so. yeah spending that paycheck before you even got it oh yeah i was spending it already yeah I mean, you know i was you know all the fancy cars and everything already, but it didn't happen so you know Back to driving a Volkswagen. Yeah. <laughs> and regarding the sequel, do we really want to see it w- without Bob Hoskins? You know, that's another thing. You know, I mean, uh, um, you know, he 
he was such an integral part of, of the film. You just couldn't. I, I, who who would who would now play Eddie Valiant? I mean, yeah. you know, they would have, it would have to go off on a completely different tack. Yep, exactly, yeah. exactly. And so, in that respect, it wouldn't really be a sequel. You know, mm-hmm. uh, um, so you know. Yep, I completely agree with that. And so, what are you doing these days? What do you keep busy with? Well, I. I, I I moved back to America um, just a little under two years ago um, after spending the better part of my adult life in the UK. And um, things have been quiet, but, but it's been, that's been more uh, uh, by choice rather than uh, um, anything else because, you know, I, I bought an, a, a lovely little house and I've been just sort of getting the house together. Uh, and, um, I just decided that, you know, when I'm, when I'm ready, when I think, okay, the house is done, then I'll, you know, maybe sort of start to put myself about again and, mm-hmm. and, uh, um, maybe start to do a little work again. But there was a whole series of circumstances in London. I had the same agent for nearly 40 years when I lived in London and, uh, and she retired oh. and all of a sudden, all of a sudden people were going, Oh, he's too old. And I thought, when did I become old? I don't remember that happening. <laughs> You know, but I guess you do. You know, and and uh, um, the, the 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 frequency of work started to to dwindle, and um, and then Brexit happened, and I thought, well, that's the last straw. You know, and um, so I sold my house in uh, um, uh, in London and and decided to move back to America. So that's where I am now. So, well, welcome back. Thank you, thank you. I mean, it's. Uh, it's it's a bit of culture shock, I have to say, you know. Uh, uh, and I, I do I do miss London and I, I miss my friends, but um, I just had some I had only last week I had visitors from from London come visit me here, yeah. so was, uh, that was nice. So you know I still keep in touch and uh, you know I can always get on a plane and go back. Yep, exactly. So, Lou, I want to seriously thank you so much for your time. I had a great time. This has been a great conversation here. It's it's one of my favorites. I think. Oh, it's my pleasure. I mean, uh, th- I, I'm 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 flattered that you asked me to do this. <laughs> well, thank you so much. And uh, is there any way I can have you channel little Baby Herman to close out the interview? This is Baby Herman. You're listening to Saturday Morning Rewind with Tim Nidell. The whole thing stinks like yesterday's diapers. Thanks for listening to that Saturday Morning Rewind. Please check them out on Facebook and Twitter. And that's all, folks. <laughs>